Praise the Lord, hallelujah, and thank you, Jesus. Well, it's around that time right here on KAZ Radio, where I have one of my most favorite parabolists, none other than Lady Parabolist Deborah A. Wright. How you doing, Lady Parabolist? This is my favorite time of the week, 2 o'clock on Fridays, down at KAZ Radio TV. And I'm just coming here to tell my stories. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Just Telling My Stories. Now, in the news and in our family lives, a whole lot of different things have happened this week. This has been a trying week, but it's nice to just sit for about a half hour and just relax, and I'm going to tell you some stories. Now, this week, the stories will be coming from a few different books. The first story I'm going to read will be coming from a book called Collard Greens and Peaches. Now, this book is an amazing book, and we're going to have a resurgence of this book because there's several authors. We have Bobby Joe Curry, Akia Enobo, Sarah Garcia Haynes, Dr. Tamar McIver, C. Renee Wilson, Shirley Terrell Stone, Ruth Hester, Willie Alfreda McCoy, Deborah Brady, Sharon Allen, Charmaine Person, Elizabeth DeMag. Barbara Alicia Philistine, Dr. Marcel Lee, Sherry Kimball Neal Neal, and we all put together a compilation of encouraging stories for women. It's called Collard Greens and Peaches Stories of Strength and Hope for Women. Now, the first story is one that I wrote, and it's called Fine as Wine. Just imagine, I'm in Ohio, and it's not cold, pretty not cold today, but it gets pretty cold here in January. But this story takes place in Alabama in the heat of the summer. Imagine a hot summer day. I've only been to Alabama a few times, but I remember the red, dusty roads and how much the dirt kicked up and everything and how hot it was. It was really hot. But we had a nice time down there. My mom is, was born in Alabama. But this is a story called Fine is Wine. And today, the stories that I picked today are stories to encourage you because people have gone through a lot of things. Um, grieving over the helicopter accident with Kobe Bryant and the other people and different ones on Facebook losing members and stuff. So I figured we'll just take a time to just share some stories of encouragement. It had been a long time since Ray Jr. had been home. The younger children ran as they saw the dust flying down that dirt road. It was hallelujah party time when Big Brother came home. He brought toys and candy and the tallest tails on this side of the Mississippi. Mama heard all the commotion and quickly popped the biscuits in the oven and wiped the flour dust from off her hands onto that great big old apron. A smile eased its way across her face. She was always glad to see her oldest son. She missed him something fierce since Big Ray died. Every month, faithfully, like clockwork, a great big old yellow envelope would arrive at about the same time of each month. Whatever amount of money was in there, Mama would blush and say, That boy, as a tear rolled down her face. It was hard being a widow with Junior and two small children, especially in the South. When Big Ray got hurt from an accident on the tractor, they sold off the acreage of the farm and kept just enough to live off of. 
After a while, Big Ray refused treatments when the money from the land sale was getting low. He knew his time on earth was limited and he wanted to leave Emma something to get by on until Junior was old enough to pitch in and help out. Or, as he always teased, till y'all mama get you another paw. <laughs> he would say, and then he would grab Emma around her waist and swing her around and kiss her right smack on the lips. <laughs> oh, Ray, she would blush and say, and he would say, woman, you are the best gift God could give a man. You fine as wine and strong as kind. She popped him on top of his nearly bald head. She said, Ray, are you calling me a cow? <laughs> and they would laugh. And then he would pull her ribbon off of her bun and watch her long black hair tumble down her back, happy to be free. They would laugh and hug each other tightly. When Ray died, it was hard making ends meet. <laughs> Every now and then she was at least able to make them touch, but with their savings and Junior's help and the good Lord, they made do. Now one day in town, Junior heard a few of the guys were planning to fix up Robert Earl's old Buick and try to make it to Chicago. Now Big Ray had taught Junior a whole lot about fixing on cars. He would be a perfect addition to the group, even though he was only 16 and a half. They could drive and nurse that old Buick all the way to Chicago. They said the factories was hiring practically anybody that walked in the door, and they paid good money too. Now Robert Earl's cousin had said that they could fix up the basement and stay with him in Chicago till they get on their feet. Then he would jokingly add, <laughs> as long as you're on your feet in six months, even a giraffe can get on his feet in six months. Now, Junior was too young to get work in the factory, but he fixed on cars and made pretty good money. As soon as he turned 18, he got hired in at the factory. It was right on time, because the sheriff had been around by the house looking for money for the property taxes. Well, sir, Emma said, as Junior careened down that old dusty road and his new car. Now, Emma didn't know much about Chicago, except for the money the Junior sent and the pictures he sent and the look of his new car. <laughs> Besides being cold, Chicago must not be that bad. The cloud of red dust had gotten down the road and finally stopped in front of the house. The kids were so excited, they nearly stopped breathing as they waited for the car door to open and their big brother made his I'm home performance. Boy, Junior worked that moment. First, he swung open the car door. Next, his size 14 feet hit the ground, sporting some of the fanciest shoes ever to come out of Chicago. <laughs> Those shoes hit that red Alabama dirt, daring it to even get a spot on it. The dirt was scared to move as the children oohed and ahed and, and Junior showed off. Junior finished his performance until he was finally out of the car. 
He twirled around slowly with his arms raised up and outstretched so that everybody could see what the cat brought in. This was like meeting a superhero for the kids, and Junior was a breath of fresh air for Mama. <laughs> the smell of those Mama-made biscuits freshened Junior's air real fast. As usual, Junior brought gifts for everyone. In the 80-degree Alabama August heat, the children wondered why in the world did Junior bring boots and coats? That heat didn't stop them from putting on their new coats and running around with their boots looking like Eskimos in the middle of the desert. <laughs> now when the kids, with the kids outside, Junior and his mama had a chance to talk. Mama agreed with Junior that the family would be moving to Chicago. It wouldn't even be necessary to close out the house. They would just let the Miller boy move in with his new bride and take over the taxes. They didn't have any family here anymore since Ray died. It didn't take long to pack up their little house. They packed their personal belongings and left everything else. Mama looked around one last time while the kids waited in the car with Junior at the wheel. Puck Miller and his new bride were standing on the porch to see them off. Mama gave them a few more instructions and slowly walked away. If they didn't remind her of her and Ray, she thought of Big Ray and herself back when they started off. In Mama's mind, she could hear Big Ray saying, Home ain't looking back where you been. Home is being in the present and the place you are with the ones you love. She also heard him say, Go on with your life, Emma. You fine as wine and strong as kind. <laughs> Emma motioned her hand in the air <laughs> as if she was really talking to him. Oh, Ray. <laughs> And she blew him a kiss as a smile inched across her face. He had kept his promise to his dad to take care of his mom. She smiled again and said, ha, that boy. <laughs> Emma hiked her skirt up on the sides and ran like a little girl and hopped in Junior's car. Yes, sir. They were headed to their new home in Chicago. <laughs> Off they went down the road. The dust was flying and so was Junior in that new car. Settling in for the long ride, Emma took a deep breath and exhaled. She smiled as she reached up and pulled the ribbon off of her bun allowing her beautiful black hair to blow freely one last time in the heat of the Alabama sun. Now that's just a short story that encourages sometimes things happen in life. She didn't want her husband to die or anything, but sometimes things happen in life and he had raised his son well to take care of his family. So I know a lot of things may be going on in your life, but we have to be reminded that God is our source and that he will take care of us. 
He will take care of us regardless of what's going on. There's another story that I have, and that one happens to be in this book, The Year Uncle Bubba Jack Died. And this is copywritten 2003, so it's been a little while. And, you know, in most churches, everybody has a, a favorite church mother. I don't know if they call them church mothers now, but when I was growing up, they were Mother Walker, Mother Smith, Mother Johnson. And this is a story about Mother Walters. Everybody loved Mother Walters. She was one of those people that you call um, like a pillar in the community. I reckon she lived in the same house for over 60 years. All of the children in the neighborhood had the greatest respect for her, even the bad ones. <laughs> ah, they were cut up and clown all up and down the street. That is, until they got to Mother Walter's block. Now, in the summertime, she would bake the nicest cookies and set them out on her porch. The children would come down and sit and talk a spell. They talk about life. They talk about the Bible. They just love talking to Mother Walters. <laughs> now, in the wintertime, she kept a box of hats and gloves, and she would stop the children as they was on their way to school. Now, if she didn't feel that they was dressed right or warm enough, she'd wrap them up like little Eskimos. Now, she didn't push it down their throat, but you had better believe that they got a little Jesus along with them cookies and mittens. Now, at her age, Mother Walter still watched chillin' on occasion. She would laugh as she diapered some of them chillin', commenting on it was a good chance that this cloth diaper that she was putting on that child, she had put it on his granddaddy. <laughs> but you know, Mother Walter still used them crisp white cloth diapers that she had dressed every baby in. Mother Walters didn't believe in no paper diapers. She said, wasn't no love in them. <laughs> None of the babies she ever watched had diaper rash, though. It was amazing how crisp and white those cloth diapers remained after all of those years. You see, Mother Walters wanted everybody warm, everybody fed, everybody happy, and everybody to know about Jesus. Mother Walters had a little old van, and it was more like a neighborhood bus. <laughs> she could be seen several times a week hauling folk to doctor's appointments and grocery stores and, of course, to church. She wouldn't charge them a dime for her services. If they had something to give, that was just fine. If they didn't, just sit back and enjoy the ride. She said that the Lord provides for her and that this is her way of being thankful. When Mother Walters turned 80, a local car dealership donated her a brand new van. The van was much easier for her to get in and out. And they put the story all in the newspapers. It was a huge deal in town. That is why it was such a big deal when Mother Walters got hurt. You see, Mother Walters was driving home from one of her missionary runs and a drunk driver came out of nowhere and caused an accident. It was something terrible. The paramedics had to use the jaws of life to get Mother Walters out of that vehicle. We all thought she was gone. She flatlined several times on the way to the hospital. And when we got the word, 
she was in a coma. I'm telling you, it would have hurt you to your heart to see all them tubes and pipes connected to her. And the saints prayed something fierce. The doctors told us that it was just a matter of time for Mother Walters. If she did pull through, she would never be the same and would need special care. Now, Mother Walters didn't have any family. Her only child died as a toddler, and her husband died 40 years ago. The church rallied all around her, and she stayed in that coma for 14 days. The doctor called in the pastor and a few members for a meeting. He began to talk about them pulling the plug on poor Mother Walters. When the doctor finished his long list of injuries, indicating that she had a punctured this and a broken that, the pastor who was acting as her power of attorney told him that there wouldn't be no plug pulling on his watch. He told the doctor that Mother Walters was in God's hand. The doctor shrugged his shoulders and left the room. We all sat there. One by one, we began to reminisce about all the good times we'd had with Mother Walters. And before you know it, we was laughing and rejoicing over the good times. At that moment, Mother Walters began to mood. <laughs> and we ran and got a doctor. After a few moments, she spoke. She said, well, how y'all doing? <laughs> Ain't that just like Mother Walters? I tell you, that whole wing of the hospital lit up with us hollering and praising God, and the doctors came running. And there was Mother Walters with her eyes wide open. The doctors were astonished, and they said, Mrs. Walters, how are you doing? She looked at them in her Mother Walters way and said, Well, you the doctor. You tell me how I'm doing. They looked at the pastor to see if Mother Walters could handle all that news. After about five minutes of the doctors running down a broken this, a punctured that, or whatever, 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 Mother Walters just looked in her saying, I trust God no matter what way. And she said, well, I don't know about all that. That's in God's hand. But one thing I know for sure, my soul is well. Mother Walters cleared her throat. And after th 14 days in a coma, Mother Walters began to sing and praise the Lord. And she said, my soul is well. Though hard trials I go through, my soul is well. My strength and faith he will renew. My soul is well. Though the storms encompass me, my soul is well. For my master hideth me, my soul is well. Though tomorrow I can't see, 
my soul is well for my master's will will be my soul is well for my savior's hold and me you know mothers want this faith and strength and determination encouraged us all that day it, it changed our lives you see as a matter of fact it changed a whole lot of things the city added a special bus route just so Mother Walters could get around because she didn't drive anymore. But after that, Mother Walters lived a long, happy life after that. She continues to be a pillar in the community. She never stopped wanting everybody warm, everybody fed, and everybody to know about Jesus. The, the lesson I get from Mother Walters is that as long as we know Jesus and have Jesus in our life, no matter what storms and trials we go through, and as long as we know our soul is well, and that God holds our future, and as long as we keep our hand in his hand, we'll be just like Mother Walters and just like Emma. We will get through any storm that comes our way. Now, our last little story is one of the church stories. I have quite a few church stories, and this one is kind of funny. It's called, Who Stole the Pastor's Chicken? I don't know about your church, but my church, we always have um, food and different banquets and everything. But this one is called, Who Stole the Pastor's Chicken? At our church, we have a lot of functions. Some folks say we always meeting and eating, but it's the truth. Every week, some kind of food is being served up in here. Now, our pastor is a friendly soul. He makes sure that everybody, after every service, that he gets out and meets and greets the people. Now, sometimes he gets to meeting and greeting so hard that we done blessed the food and most of the food done been ate up by the people. So what I learned to do is cover up the pastor's plate and put it on top of our great big old stove to keep it warm. Now, at my church, we used to have a big old fuss about who made the best fried chicken. Well, I'm proud to say that I won that hands down. <laughs> Can't nobody beat my recipe for hot fried chicken. Now, there was a few hurt feelings, and one of the sisters even left the church and got mad. It's a sad thing. Now, she frying chicken in the club. It's a shame to turn away from the Lord over a chicken recipe. But her heart wasn't right anyway. A whole lot of confusion always followed that sister. Now, I remember one tickler Sunday, we had a special Sunday church after meeting and eating. And, of course, I made my special fried chicken. <laughs> well, we had a lot of visitors, and I knew pastor would be meeting and greeting up a stone. So I put a nice plate together and the other fixing and put it on the stove for him. Well, when Pastor finally came downstairs, the food was gone. The folks had themselves a great time, but I wasn't even worried because I knew I had put the pastor's plate up in a nice, safe place. But Lord help us all. When I went to go get the pastor's plate, 
there wasn't a piece of chicken to be found on that there plate. I was hotter than a red hen. Who stole the pastor's chicken? I told them to shut the front door. Nobody leaving here till I find the culprit. I asked the usher if he'd seen who taken pastor's chicken. The usher told me he ain't seen no chicken. He said that his hands is clean. Then I saw Sister Darling sitting over there under that big old straw hat. Sister Darling, I said, did you happen to peek out underneath that big old hat long enough to see who stole the pasta's chicken? Sister Darling said, no, sugar. Darling ain't seen nothing today. Matter of fact, child, Darling don't see much any day, but that chicken sure was mighty tasty today. Then I looked over and I saw Deacon Dollar. He had that great big old money bag tucked up under his arm. Hold that on for dear life. I said, Deacon Dollar, did you see who went in the chicken the kitchen, unwrapped the plate for pasta, and took three big old juicy pieces of my chicken? All they left was patched potato salad and Sister Ruby's pound cake. It's a shame. Deacon Dollar said, no, Sister Wim. My job is to watch every nickel and every dime that comes into this church. You on your own with the chicken. That's a job for women folk. I keeps an eagle eye on every nickel. I've been watching the church money for over 40 years. I went around to a whole bunch of folks and I was so mad and I saw Deacon Twilly had left. It must have been Deacon Twilly. I saw him leaving all sneaky-eyed. <laughs> Wasn't a thing I could do about it. I left the church and I got home and immediately got on the telephone and I was going to call Deacon Twilly. I was going to give him a piece of my mind. How dare you embarrass me at the church? He, I, I know he took that chicken. I know. His phone was busy and I felt my blood pressure going up and up and up and up. I had to lay down and take a nap. I didn't reach Deacon Twilly that day and decided to let the Lord handle him before I lose all of my religion. When I laid down and took a nap, I was tossing and turning and, and the Lord was working on me for feeling so mean and evil over a breast and two wings. Lord, help me. Well, my phone rang early the next morning and I could see that it was the number from the church. I answered the phone and it was the janitor. He said, Sister Williams, I heard all that ruckus that went on yesterday in the kitchen. I just wanted to be the first one to call and tell you that I found two pieces of chicken over behind the stove. It seems like your mystery has been solved. <laughs> I thanked the janitor and I told him how the Lord had worked on me about my forgiveness and we laughed and hung up the phone. I didn't even have the heart to tell him that there was three pieces of chicken on that plate. You know, I learned a valuable lesson that day. Sometimes to keep the peace, some things is left off better, left behind the stove. You know, sometimes we do have to think about some things can upset us in church or in our family. Sometimes it's just best to leave some things alone because it's not even worth the confusion and the hassle. And our final poem before we close out is a poem that I wrote in 2001. And that one is in the book, 
bald, blessed and loved divinely. This is a story about my cancer survival. And I just want to leave this to encourage you that whatever you set your goals, whatever you set your mind to do, don't let anything discourage you from accomplishing your goal because in life things happen. The Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous, but God delivers him of them all. It says, I will. When your journey long seems all uphill and your cup of life just took a spill, when all of your aching heart stands still, just say to yourself, I will. When your slice of life is nothing but crust, your band of gold has turned to rust, when days seem minutes and nights stand still, just say to yourself, I will. When hopes and dreams crash at your feet, gaping holes too large to fill, just sweep them away. Get a new ball of clay and say to yourself, I will. For there is no terror, fright, nor fear, desperation, debt, nor bill that can conquer faith of the committed soul who continues to say, I will. I just want to thank you for tuning in to this episode of Just Telling My Stories. It is my hope and prayer that you would share this episode with someone. Send it to someone that may be going through chemotherapy or dialysis or just kind of down and out so that they can be encouraged and continue to say, I will. Thank you. <music>